Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 93 of the Greenlight Podcast, POC, Ephrage, back in the building. Uh, we have a goaltending controversy. Uh, let's get into it. That was insane. Then we have a handshake controversy, kind of a, like, cornball move. You know what I mean? Like, come on. I mean, the, the core is in chaos. Um, we're talking about Houston, Alabama, Nate Oates, Kelvin Sampson. Um you know, listen, let's start with the play call to end the game. Just pure ISO, not even a ball screen, ends up losing the ball. They take a terrible shot. I thought that was an issue. I mean, let's just at least just do the standard ball screen. And this yeah. goes back to our theory of end of game situations in college basketball are the worst play calls. It's the same. It's the same. It's always a flat middle ball screen. And we couldn't even get that here. Anyway, we get, you know, we take a, they take a 40 footer. Um, and it was clearly goaltending the dude Davison. Uh, I think he's a freshman or a sophomore. You could see it when he did it. He was just looking at the ref like, Oh shit. Like he's going to get me. Like, I know I did yeah. it. I know it was goaltending. I know. And then, and then he just, the pure elation when he realized they weren't going to blow the whistle was hysterical to watch. Oh like, my gosh. I mean, the game was over. He was like, Holy shit. Like, and then just then just bedlam. I mean, of course, like sprinting around the court. But I mean, what probably you know, by far and away the worst call of the year um, so far. Kelvin Sampson yeah. has every right to be mad. We can get to like the trash can and like that. Like that's that's a tough look. Um, what do you think? I mean, the thing that's all weird to me, and with all this, and even if you look at the NFL with some of these rules and. Is the no call? It couldn't be reviewed because it wasn't blown because a whistle wasn't blown before the clock expired. So, by the even just, just there's ended. so many, yeah. So, the game's ended. So, I can't, you can't look at this. There's so many things. I mean, it's the same way as you look at when the Saints and the Rams and the pass interference call and you oh. can't review a pass interference. And it's these technicalities that. I just wish we had like a common a common yeah. sense clause or something like that. Yeah. Like and and I know that just opens up an e even larger can of worms, but the fact that we're in a situation where everyone's walking away and saying, "Hey, clear in a way, hey, this is what we think happened," but because of the way that the rules are set up, um, again, and it said, and I'm looking at Goodman had a tweet. It says. Two prominent officials to me on not looking at the final possible goal tank play just said the rules need to be changed. We need to be able to take a look at that. And we tweak all these things. I'm sure it probably will. It's one of multiple rule changes, I think, that you could say needs to be tweaked. Um, in terms of just and we've we've gone back and forth with a lot of these. Look at like coaches being able to call timeouts versus players on the floor mm -hmm. or being able to and one thing, obviously, the NBA difference of being able to advance the ball to half court versus not. I mean, we 
I feel like so many things are being tinkered with. You're looking at quarters, you're looking at six fouls, you're looking at, I think the mo- one of the most simple things is how do we make sure egregious things do not happen or we can correct those. But at the same time, we're also not spending. Yeah, we can't spend too much time because on because that's yeah. there's so many of these where block charge any of these where it's we're we're spending too much time. So I get you don't want to nitpick every single little thing up for video review, but honestly, it's just but it's but a, this is the, you you could have spent twenty minutes if you got it right. You got it right. The game was over. Yeah, Nobody's waiting for anything. But I I agree yeah. with you in the sense that like some of these reviews in the NFL are just it takes so long and then the game stopped. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, look. The handshake thing, it was funny on Twitter. You know, he was about to shake his hand. But, like, come on, man. You, like, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 like, don't know how I feel about Nate Oates. I'm, like, very torn. I Yeah. So, Nate Oates was at Buffalo as an assistant when I was there when we were when I was at Ohio. And we played against, and I remember, and obviously, it was Bobby Hurley, under Bobby Hurley. And I just remember thinking, like, all right, it's just a promotion and a step up, like, Nate Oates has proven a lot. Like oh, going yeah. from, if you look at like, you look 10 years, 15 years ago, he was coaching at Romulus High School. His story is crazy. Yeah, story and, is crazy. And I think he does, like X and O's, I mean, he's won. Like the thing that's crazy to me, and, I, and the reason why I go back, I don't know what I think of him either. Like his name's being thrown out there for Maryland. I, his name's being thrown out there for other jobs. He, ha- he has been even for the last couple of years. I think he probably eventually could get another big job. Um, or, or a bigger job than Alabama. My, I, the, what I go back to is Buffalo, and you know this even when you were at Ohio, Buffalo always had really talented teams, really good players. They had back-to-back MAC players of the year, one like the regular season, and like never got it done under the coaching staffs previous, not even just Hurley, but even, even before that. And then he came in and just started this just streak of like consistently winning regular season and the tournament. He goes to Alabama and not that Avery Johnson, I don't think Avery Johnson did a horrible job. He didn't completely leave the cupboard bare, but I mean, he's bringing in guys left and right. Like when else is a Javon Quinterly going to go to Alabama? Like, yeah. And now I guess that's a transfer situation, but you're getting these guys and when was the last? I mean, honestly, like Alabama basketball was this relevant and this and what he did this quickly. So a long, yeah, a long time, a long I, time. I do like I. I'm the same way. Like I'm not a hundred percent sold on Nate Oates, and it's kind of weird. Yeah, but I, I don't really have a reason not to be outside of just I don't. It, it's weird. Yeah, and I don't know. How to, I don't know how I feel about it. They they go. You look at them against Iona, and you're like, oh wow, this team's okay. They're not as good as the. They don't live up to the hype. But then you see them in some of these games where they're beating top teams, mm-hmm. um, and and they're unbelievably impressive. So I mean, they're sitting eleventh in Kimpom right now, and they've got yeah, their only losses to Iona, and they've got wins over number five Houston, number two Gonzaga, like pretty. And they play, and they're probably going to beat the breaks. They play Memphis. Uh, they're only projected win by two. They play Memphis tomorrow night, uh, probably tonight, as you're listening. You guys are are listening yeah. to this on the, on the fourteenth, but. Um, I mean, they're projected to basically win out until until basically February. The only games they have, they do, which will be really interesting. They play Baylor in the Big 12 SEC. Ooh, kind of that'll be a good one. Right? I'm excited to see him play which, Kentucky. Yep. There will be some good ones in there, which, speaking of Baylor, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. We might, yeah, good transition. A little, little transition into. Uh, I watched zero minutes of this game because I was watching NC State Purdue. 
uh, and my ABC, I think it was on ABC, my ABC app. Yeah, uh, it was ABC, was, yep. Yeah, was not streaming. So couldn't watch it. So tell me everything. I just, well, I, the one thing I wanted to bring up, and this is maybe just me being like a disgruntled Virginia fan or anything, but like Villanova scored 38 points. Vill, or yeah. Excuse me, 36 points. And they had, was it 19 at, was it 19 at half they had? I saw the it score was, at halftime. I was like, no, no 15. way. It was 15 at half. Ooh. It was 25 to 15 at halftime. Okay. Um, if you break, and this is the crazy thing, you know, uh, uh, Ken Palm breaks it up into quarters. Um, so first 10 minutes, second 10 minutes, Villanova, seven, first 10 minutes, seven points, eight points, seven points, 14 points. So 14 of their 36 didn't come until the last 10 minutes of the game. That's wild. And obviously, like, if you look at it, I mean, Gillespie was – Six points, two of seven from the field. Justin Moore was Twitter. Twitter was Twitter was all over Colin. And they went six of twenty-seven from two and six of twenty-seven from three. So it went twelve of fifty-four. And yeah. the reason why I bring this up, and it's not to knock Villanova. I love Jay Wright and I love what he's built. But if when Virginia doesn't score forty points during those games, it's they're setting basketball back, and this is the worst thing ever, and all these things. And you get Villanova, who is the most free-flowing, space the floor, shoot a ton of threes, positionless basketball, and they struggle to sc- – they don't score 40 points. It's like I, – I, yeah, I don't, but know. That's I don't know if it needs to be talked about. Obviously, it's a different standard, but it's just – it, it, it's more – I think even more credit to Baylor – yeah, that yeah. A team that lost a national championship team that obviously they've got Matthew Meyer back. They've got Flo Thamba. They obviously brought in a Kinjo um, and they've got Flagler back. But the majority and everyday John, but the majority, like those top guys, like their guards are all gone. And to fact, to hold a really good Villanova team in art, that's probably the best team and arguably one of the best conferences in the Big East. Yep. 36 points is like unbelievably impressive to me. So, yeah, and I, okay, so back to the but Villanova is not trying to play that style, so that's why they're not going to get crushed. Like they played horrible. You no, I, mean? I I get that. No, totally. And I mean Villanova, even after that 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 uh, that performance, they still have the sixth best offense or sixth best rated offense on 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 Kimpom in the entire country. I think go. my point just being like. Good defense, like I mean, obviously, and they they was good defense and poor shooting, but like no matter what, like you can't. Yeah, I mean, you could play the most opposite style of basketball Virginia has, and you can still score a low amount of points, which Villanova did. Um, I'm not worried about Villanova. I think I'm more impressed by Baylor than anything. Like they go into Big East play, they get Creighton, Xavier, and they they play Temple and Seton Hall and Creighton again. So like. I'm really excited to see Big East play, and they are projected yeah, in every the, single one of their games the rest of the way, except for at UConn. But all yeah. these teams are, are like top, like Creighton's 61st, Xavier's 24th. Um, we got Seton Hall's 26th, Butler's 85th, Marquette's 77th. Like the only team outside of the top 100 in the Big East right now is Georgetown at 110, which and I know they're at you 110. Watched this weekend. Yeah, I mean we're gonna get we're gonna get into the ACC when we talk about NC State, but the ACC is so bad. Um, all right, let's talk about. So we got Baylor Nova. Let's talk about the Auburn sanctions and where we land with that. Um, so let's just run through their sanctions and then we'll talk about kind of what they the self imposed ban and all that stuff. But um, 
they get $5,000 fine plus 3% of the men's basketball program budget. So I don't really know. So is that 3% per year? I don't know if that's a one-time fine. I don't know. They don't specify. Reduction of one scholarship <clears throat> during this year, self-imposed. Um, a reduction in the number of... These are all the... I'm sorry. These are all the, um, the self-imposed. Mm-hmm. So a reduction in the number of official visits in men's basketball to 20 during the 17, 18, 18, 19... Um, years, a ban on unofficial visits for 19 weeks during the 17-18 year, a ban on recruiting phone calls, a reduction in the number of in-person recruiting days. This is all that 17-18 year. And then Bruce Pearl gets a a two-game suspension this year. And then this is always the dumbest thing the NCAA does, a vacation of all team records in which student-athletes competed while ineligible. It's like no one cares. It, it all happened. Um, Which I would just like to make a side note. Um, I always say went to took my wife to NC State game about a week ago. And she's like, why? It's like, NC State hasn't been to the NCAA tournament since 2006? <laughs> that doesn't seem right. And like, I said, well, uh, there's a man named Mark Gottfried. Um, and that's the reason there are no banners up there. But yeah. Carry on. So um, vac- vacating all those. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I think people reacted to them not getting a postseason ban. Um somewhat un I don't want to unfairly is not right because they they self-imposed the postseason ban the year it happened and I think that saved them you know well um, I the only thing I'll put in there the context they the postseason ban they did it basically it's like two days before the season started when Pearl knew they weren't going to be necessarily that good that's, oh I yeah don't get me wrong I'm, I'm counter arguments like they, I don't know yeah. if they necessarily would have done that if yeah, they realize like, hey, we have a really good team. Like it was I strategic. Mean, they, they went, they went thirteen and fourteen last year. Like it's not, it's far cry. They went twenty five and six the year before, and then obviously the year before that, they went all the way to the final four. They were thirty and ten. Yep. And so I think Bruce Pearl knew, like, hey, we're not going to be that good. Let's take our lumps, for lack of a better term, now. And hundred yeah. percent. Uh, which I mean, more power too. I mean, obviously worked. But and here's my thing, like. If you self-impose a ban or the NCAA gives you a ban, it's the same thing. You know, I think people like want the NCAA to like punish the school, but like it's the same. Now, don't get me wrong. Them doing it this year would hurt Auburn more than they did it last year. What's the reverse Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State appealed last year. Yeah. And because obviously they had Cade and they won to play. And then now it comes down and they have to set. So you pick and choose like when I guess when you want to play at least and they have that. I mean, these schools, these schools know like they like you would be naive to think that they're not working with NCAA to be like, all right, tell us what you want us to do. Like there's there's back channeling going on to make sure like this is what we're going to need to do to avoid this. If you do it, mm-hmm. you'll be good. This is what you're still going to get. So I think there was a lot of reaction like right away, like what the hell? And then yeah. when you really saw over the past couple of years what they did, you were like, oh, okay. So you you basically started, you know, self-imposing a bunch of different restrictions like right away, different years, different things. Um, you know, look, I, nobody's surprised though. Like, like I don't, you and I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're not surprised. I would have been shocked if they got another postseason ban. No, you're right. The only thing I would say is like for Bruce Pearl, the thing that was surprising to me yes. is – Repeat offender. Time. Yeah, yeah. Third yeah, time. Yeah. Third time. What what was this? So when he was at so at what? obviously the Aaron Kraft situation when he was oh, yeah. uh, that was I well, that's what I was remembering. What was the second time that I forgot? I think it was back. He got sanctions um when he was at Milwaukee, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So that's what that's and, what I forgot. 
And I think, uh, here you go. There, I type in Bruce Pearl. <laughs> no, I just type in Bruce Pearl Milwaukee, not even Bruce Pearl sanctions. Oh. And there's an, and the first article that comes up from SB Nation is why some people hate Bruce Pearl, a timeline. <laughs> and like all these things. So there, it's at 88, 89, Deion Thomas incident. Uh, after spending four seasons as an assistant at Stanford, Pearl joined Tom Davis's first staff at Iowa in his first season. And they had all the success, blah, blah, blah. Pearl was a big part. Um, and it was continuing to bring some of the best talent from Midwest, Iowa City. Basically, there was like stars. Dion Thomas, who's a star at Simeon High School uh, that everyone obviously yeah. knows, Jabari Park, everything there. Um, Pearl was Iowa's lead recruiter for Thomas, who ultimately came down to Hawkeyes in Illinois. To hear Thomas tell it, his signing with Illinois was largely influenced by his grandmother's distrust of Pearl. My grandmother saw right through him clear as glass, and that was one of the things she told me. One thing she would often say, people need to be who they are. And so wow. Pearl's believes there's something shady going on. Like, literally, he's just been a shady, shady guy. And then the actual, like, he's at Southern Indiana. There's incidents, but then at Milwaukee, um, Coach – oh, this is what it was. It was similar. It's, it's not actually – I don't think it – it's a product of the NCAA rules, but it was similar to kind of the the um, the Tennessee Aaron Craft stuff. It's a Coach Pearl invited a prospect and his parents to his daughter's graduation party hosted yeah. at his house. Yeah, and it was it was a thing like same thing. I mean, I I, I remember though, and this is I'm not saying that every single program is by the book, but I remember awkwardly having to like when we had guys at like tailgates on unofficials that we couldn't pay for meals like asking the parent hey can you give us ten dollars for like the hot dogs because we can't give you this food for free yeah so like it's one of those things i am not saying that he by any means is now is he doing more than that like that's another argument not saying that like he should be banned from basketball because he invited a recruit to a graduation party but i mean the dude has done it over and over and over again yeah. um so it's just it's just kind of surprising and and it was obviously it all this stems back to the fbi out fbi investigations and it shows how bad the fbi messed up which we've talked about a million times all of this and two how little enforcement power the ncaa actually has on any of this because auburn's Auburn's lawyers won this situation. Auburn's oh, lawyers yeah. and their administration, they they came out winning this. Remember, remember when the dude in the Southern District of New York came out and was like, we have your playbook? It's like, bro, no. I don't know what you had, but you didn't execute anything. I mean, I whose article it was. I think it might have been Seth Davis or somebody. It was something the athletic wrote. It was like, it starts the article with that. And it was like, no, like Kansas, NC State, Auburn, all these schools you thought you had, they have your playbook because not anything of, I mean, outside of like Oklahoma state, you could say right now, maybe he's had the harshest punishments they're getting this year. Yeah. But like the biggest schools, LSU with Will Wade, Kansas with Bill self, like NC state now, obviously different coaching staff and like Gottfried and all that, but like Arizona, all this yeah. is being delayed. And then you can even say, even going back to the UNC and the academic scandal, it talks about that. It's like the NCAA really does not have the enforcement power as necessarily it should, but it doesn't have the true, like these lawyers and these law firms that are working for these schools are, they know what they're doing and yeah. and, and they know where the leverage is and they know where they can get away with things and they know how they can get around this. And, and they, they clearly have been, but yeah. If yeah. You're Auburn, so we'll though, like the only thing I will say, the only thing I will add to this, I'm curious to get your take is like, 
do you think that this has actually outside of last year, like do outside of last year, not being able to play in the tournament, do you think this they've actually, there are any ramifications from this punishment outside of them not being able to play in the tournament last year? Like, do you think it's hurt their recruiting? Do you think it's hurt like their brand or their image that like kids aren't going to go there at all? No, no brand and image zero. Maybe it hurts recruiting just a smidge because you have a couple less days but you just get super strategic about it you know what i mean like it's not like they're like oh it's not like they're cutting their recruiting days or visits by half it's like a couple so yeah no no not at all and i I don't even know i'm not even really sure what auburn's brand of basketball if you ask me to describe auburn basketball brand you know i don't know i i don't know i don't know what i would call it just I would call them I would, a call them, uh, I would call them sore losers based on my experience of the 2019 final four with their fan base. So yeah, there you go. Um all right, let's talk our 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 wolf pack. I mean, we were texting during the game. This was brutal. I was um, so excited for the wolf pack. There so. there is a theme with the wolf pack, and it's not necessarily like I'm not I don't mean to say that they like almost beat number ones or almost beat number twos. It's the last 10 minutes of the game. Their offense stalls and it stalls bad. So the Purdue outscored NC State 25 to 12 in the final nine minutes, forced overtime. Stepanovich tied the game with 21 seconds, had a hell of a three. Um, his feet weren't even set. It was actually kind of wild. Um, but they were leading by 13 with 10 to go. And, you know, the winning winning percentage on on betting there is very high. Um, and I just think the offense just stops, you know, like the, and NC state basically just runs ball screens. They the run. Entire. I mean, I think we saw last year. It's not even close to the amount of ball screens. Like they're by far number one, in the country um, yeah. in terms of ball screen usage. And um, it's really and all they do. Game, right? and it, yeah. And that is their game. But I just feel like when the game comes down to it and here's the thing that's tough as a coach is like, it just worked for 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Like you're beating the number one team in the country because you set 400 ball screens and you kept the ball in Smith's and Sebron's hands. I get it. And Sebron's awesome. I will say I love Sebron's great. I really like Smith. Like they're just kind of like, they're just hoopers. You know what I mean? They get it done. Sebron through the lane and his shiftiness is crazy. He's so so long and like, Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go back. I watched the game, their game against Nebraska. They went to four overtimes, AC Big Ten Challenge. I mean, they had guys get hurt. They had guys get ejected. And then they're like, all right, just take over and play the point. Like every single time, just put the ball in his hands. Yep. And he's kind of had to shift into that. And same with Louisville. In Louisville game, they're putting the ball in his hands, let him work in ball screens. Um, they definitely, they're definitely hurt by not having Manny Bates. Like Manny yep. Bates definitely changes things too because when you're setting those ball screens, there's not a huge – like I feel like the threat is just with the ball handle in most of those situations. And especially yeah. with the guy, like without – like if the shooters are not – like Casey Morsell has been hurt too. If you don't have – if you're setting – if you're just operating out of these ball screens, and similar to what we say with some of these NBA offenses that you're talking about like getting running and just the same thing – if you're not posing those threats in other areas, it's a lot easier for the defense to just say, nope, I'm going to take this away, and it, it, it can start to, to shut down quick. Now, Yeah, I mean, the the ending, though, I mean, we have to talk about the ending. Um, you know, Travion Williams 
launches the ball sideline out of bounds 2.1 2.6 something like that left just throws yeah. it out of bounds i mean really the only a sideline thing- sideline out of bounds from the opposite and so from nc state's end yeah basically at like the coaches at the like the coaches line pretty much they were trying to throw it to Edie, the big dude it was just a horrible throw throws it out of bounds nc state gets no one it touches it yeah nobody touches so they get it, it in, in their own half yep and then cam hayes Throws the ball out of he's out of bounds. He the hits only the-, the only thing I will say for him is Purdue put Ed on him. So you've got like NC yeah. State's smallest guy with him, and he throws a bounce pass from there, and it hits the line first. It hits the line, which is brutal because I can't remember who he was throwing it to, but he would have had a decent look at it. Like he would have been able to catch that, turn and fire, maybe take a dribble and shoot. It was but- Jericho Helms, yeah, it was Cole yeah, Helms, yeah, and that's right. And I honestly think. I, Kelly, my wife was watching with me. She was like, "Oh, that's the look." She's like, "That's the yeah. look he want." Like he was because um, who was it? It was trailing. So, I mean, they set a good screen. Yeah, for him it was a lot of space too. Now he would have had it. He needed to square up and take it. But yeah, you got the look he wanted, and, and it was right there. Yep. But then you give the raw ball right back to Purdue. Yeah, so that was brutal. Then they go into overtime, and you know Purdue kind of takes over. Trevion Williams is so good. He's so fun to watch. Like. I don't understand ever not doubling him. He's he can get to his spot so easy. If it's just one on one, like I don't know what his percentages are. 60, 75% of the time he's gonna score the ball. Like the dude is so good. Um Ivy, I just love in the Ken Palm player of the year, like efficiency ratings right now. And the uh, dude's like he's still coming off the bench. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, he's only playing. That this is what's crazy. Yeah, he's he's only playing fifty one percent of the team's minutes, which is down from sixty two percent last year and even fifty two percent the year before. It's unbelievable. It's pretty. I mean, wild. He's putting up. He's putting up the second best numbers basically of anyone in the entire country, and he's playing half the team's minutes. Yeah, wild. Well, we were rooting for the Wolfpack. Um, let and I think the Wolfpack can like I I don't think they're, this like they're good. I, I, they need to get. I feel bad. They they've been hurt by injuries. They're like on the right track. I think they're going to give like a tough game against Louisville. Let's see who they, they go play. Butler next uh, on Saturday, and they get a couple non conference. Um, Wisconsin, Penn State. Oh no, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm looking at. Uh, yeah, you're looking uh, at looking at Purdue, Purdue schedule. schedule. But they get yeah, you know, Richmond, Wright State, like hey, Miami, FSU, Virginia Tech, like. The ACC is just not in a place where I, I mean, oh. I think they can be competitive in the ACC because there's just no one outside of Duke that's really very good. Like, no, dude. Honestly, I mean, before, I, I, like UNC is probably the next best team, and then Virginia Tech. But then Virginia Tech just went and lost to Dayton and turned the replies off on their tweets. Did they? When it was last time you saw you saw a team do that? Most embarrassing. F- oh, wait, wait, wait. Who turned their replies off? Virginia Tech. Oh wow, dude! I can't, I can't make this up. I, I, I need to find the tweet of what they sent. Now they lost to. Okay, you and, find the tweet. I, I got an ACC stat that was texting me today. Please, this is for NC State. Seven of their nineteen ACC games, so they play nineteen ACC games. They have nineteen left. Are quad three games. Seven of nineteen in the ACC. The ACC should have zero quad threes. Zero. No zero. Zero. They yeah. should have zero. Like, I don't think that's a crazy statement. Quad you ones or quad twos. How tough this is for ACC two because when you talk about everything with the conference restructuring, SEC and the Big Ten, obviously all the money 
that is being paid out to the schools there because football is so much bigger. It's like, yeah, well, ACC, though, has all the power in basketball, though. Mm-hmm. It's not it's shifting. It, and it kind of scares me a little bit. Not that I, I really do think like a UNC would leave or no, you know, like, but it does scare me, though, if the conference like the conference does need to be held up by basketball at this point, especially yeah. when like if Clemson has a bad year like they did. It's like- and, and yeah, but uh, so I found the tweet and ironically enough, they eventually opened the replies up late last night because they were getting so much heat because they had over 50 quote tweets. And wow. so they tweeted hard fought back. And it's just a picture of like an aerial picture of, uh, let's see if you can see, it's just an aerial picture of like UD arena mm-hmm. and uh, from the game. And it says hard fought battle in Dayton, incredible environment. We'll learn from this. No final score, no, like anything, no link. And then replies are completely turned off. And so all these people, the, now the first replies, LMAO just opened up the replies. Oh, I can reply now. Oh, the comments are open. Like, dude, I actually, I actually think all professional and all sports, all sporting social media accounts, specifically Twitter, should just not tweet that. When you lose, you lose. I don't think you should tweet it. What is the, what is, tell me one benefit. (laughs) Just don't. don't. It's not, and don't, I mean, the only thing it's awkward is I remember that uh, Texas football, I forget who they lost to, and they went dead and Big Cat. Uh, basically, it was like, no, they're fully dead. And he was basically trolling them until they tweeted ever again. They hadn't tweeted. It was like they took the, I think it was against Oklahoma. Like they took the lead that was in their last tweet for like 72 hours was that. And it's just sitting out there's like, when are they going to tweet again? Like, are they, they're really dead? Like, Pulse I mean, check. look, but I just, I don't see one positive thing to tweeting out the losing score. Like you'll get the right. occasional like fan that's like, yay, like you tried hard. We love you. See you next game. Final link one to box score. Like you have to post the press or like the link to the box or whatever. It's not like on your website. You don't necessarily have to do that on whatever. But I think honestly, it probably it's like it puts even more of an emphasis on the school. If you have a good, it, it's not a big deal. I think when you approach it the right way, and maybe I don't even make fun of it, but like you can't make really, fun of it. You can't make you can't, fun of it because you got you get people that are mad either way like this. But can't you can't make fun of it. You can't if you're going to post something. You can't turn off the replies. Can't turn off the replies. That's absurd. That's absurd. Um, all right, let's talk through. I actually want to talk through an insane stat that I saw. UConn women's basketball. Rarely do we talk I did about. Did see this as well. Rarely do we talk about UConn women's basketball. And now, of course, like I'm not going to have the stat up. I think I can remember it, but. Um, so they lost to an unranked team for the first time since 2012. That alone is insane. Um, so that's number one. And then number two, they've fallen to their lowest ranking in 14 years. And they're seven. Seven. Dude. <laughs> this not- is like uh, when we when we look at in, in 10 years, 20 years, when we like look back at Gino's run. Like nobody's touching it. I mean, no, Coach K doesn't even. even Coach K doesn't even come close. Can't even sniff it. I mean, it's, it's insane. Not, it's, it is the the brotherhood on steroids of steroids. like no, like no, yeah, I sisterhood. To, like I have to go now. Like not not to be fair, they haven't won every single championship. But if you're like a McDonald's, but even then, like, even what you just said is like that's how far it's gone. It's like well, they haven't won every single one. I just want to say the crazy thing about this too. And she got hurt about a week ago is Paige Beckers is like, 
arguably yeah, that's like, kind of why they've had struggling. big names. They've had massive names. Um, and you've got obviously Brianna Stewart, you've got Maya Moore, you've everybody. got ev- everybody. And like, Tarazi, honestly though, Bird. like Paige Beckers though, and now like she's the first, she, she, she signed with Gatorade, like right before she got injured. And she's, did you Gatorade, see how she got hurt Gatorade's by the way? First NCAA athlete partner. And like, so arguably is one of the biggest people. And now when she goes down, I mean that it's, that sucks. Um, did you and, see and how it, she got hurt? I didn't. I just saw that the, she dude. So then Gino got heat. So they, uh, I don't know. I don't remember who UConn was playing. Um, they were up 30. Um, there was like 45 seconds left, less than a minute left. And the, they inbound the ball to her and there's light pressure, light, like from, from whoever they were playing. And she basically like went to make a move and her left uh, knee like hyper extended, like went forward. And she, she almost just like fell down, like just dribbling. It was the weirdest injury. And so then of course, like Gino got a bunch of crap. Like, why is she in the game? All this stuff. But it was such a freak injury. It was just not normal. So I I don't know if he can get the blame for that. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that stat up because it's insane. It is crazy. And the best way I think I can summarize this and it's not a knock of the WNBA because I think They've also they've been elevating. They're getting a lot more exposure, and they're getting a lot more eyes. The brand of UConn women's basketball, knowing oh. hey, that's the top team, that's the top school, far outweighs any WNBA franchise. Like if you were just a I casual agree. random sports fan, and you you said like UConn basketball, and you're like, oh yeah, like UConn, like yeah, they're the most. They're dominant. always and good. Think, and you used to you used to be able to say that with Tennessee. Yes, you can't anymore. Yep. Uh, you could say that with Baylor for a while, but even Kim Mulkey left Baylor and went to LSU. Yeah. Even if you look at right now, even as good as like Seattle has been in the WNBA or the nah. LA Sparks or anything like that, it's okay. Yeah. Like, sp- like, yeah, Seattle's been good. They've been Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. And, but you just say, there's UConn more, like, there's oh, more. UConn is UConn's UConn. Like, yeah, and I close. think there's probably well, I don't know actually. If when I say this, this is me assuming. I would assume there's more um, women college basketball fans than there are even just WA WNBA fans. Like, dude, the UConn. I think it's changing a little bit, but yeah, it's it's UConn women's nice. basketball like sells out like almost yeah. every other game. Like, I would love to look at their ticket like even more than the men do. So. It's insane up there. Like they do. And Connecticut last thing on this around. topic, I read recently. There's a lot of people, I think, within the NCAA that actually are in favor of moving all of it to one site, men and women. I saw men. that. I saw that. Which, that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? It would be cool. I, I am a little worried about the logistics. I mean, you and I. I mean, how the many final be fours have you been to? And it's it's all right, especially depending where you are. Like. It's overwhelming hotel rooms it's pot, and, and it's a lot like there's a lot there's always something going on um i i think i mean it probably it's probably better for like this like i mean i guess i mean if you if you if you want the women playing in in the 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 giant nfl stadiums or would they play in the arenas like i don't know if you're going to get eighty thousand for the women's final four in like but it would be cool. I just don't know logistically because it's such a massive event as it is. Um, but it would be good to try and I mean, help we say level the playing field and make sure that they're playing on the the same, like we looked at last year where the facilities that the women had versus the men were just absolutely atrocious. Yeah, and dude, so, that was wild with the weight. I just don't stuff. want the reverse thing as if, yeah, put them playing them in say Lucas oil stadium, but it's not packed like 80,000, like it would be for the men. Um, they, they just got to do it. They got to do it the right way. And I think, um, but most likely UConn will be there at some point. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, all right, let's. Uh, I only got like one or two things left, but um, the crosstown shootout. Shout out to Deontay Jackson. Uh, Xavier dominated Cincinnati. Um, I didn't realize UC has lost three straight and eight yep. of the last eleven. That's brutal. Um, well, they they, they had some. T- I mean, as soon as Mick left, John. I mean, they're already on their second head coach now since Mick. I mean. I think Wes Miller has them probably in the right direct going in the right direction, but uh, they did have a pretty atrocious, uh, they had a pretty atrocious hire with John Brandon there that the yeah, players that basically and the families ran out of town. So that was uh, tough. And, yeah, but it is, so, I mean, it's every year now um, when Xavier's Xavier's winning, um, not Chris Mack, Travis Steele, he goes to a bar, he takes out a thousand dollars in cash, big yep. old stack. Hands it pays the bar tab for everyone goes wild goes nuts and he just he just keeps doing it. I think is he Travis Steele's got to be then undefeated against Cincy. No, I think uh, last three and eight of the eleven. Last so. three. Okay, so then he lost. He must have lost one or two in there. They beat. Okay, so he definitely. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm trying to think which year Steele's first year was. Eighteen? No, nineteen yeah. was his first year. So nineteen they lost. And then, so they lost to Cincinnati his first year, and then so he's three and one. Yeah, that'll help. That'll help. So this, so this was the most lopsided defeat in the series since the brawl ten years ago. Yeah, since December tenth, two thousand eleven. And I didn't realize this either. Cincinnati lost in every statistical category other than three point shooting. That's it tough to do, man. That is brutal. That's I saw a clip going around of Wes Miller in his press conference saying, yes. you want to beat Xavier's behind. And all, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean. Look, you have to say that. I get it. You have say to. It. And, and it's such, it, it really is. I mean, for people who don't realize, those schools are one exit apart from each other um, in Cincinnati. Like, Dude, I had, a couple miles. I had no clue how small. Xavier's campus was. They couldn't be more opposite schools too. Massive Dude. campus at Cincinnati, city school, and you've got a small, tiny private school is it miniature. Is tiny. Cintas, great. I mean, great, great awesome atmosphere, arena. great arena. Awesome. The best thing, honestly, I'm glad that it is back to these home the the home and homes because for a little right after the brawl, they played it at um at US Bank where Paul, where we saw Dave Chappelle. They played oh, yeah. it in neutral site. It just didn't have the feel. I like having going back and forth between Xavier, between Cincinnati. Yeah. But, I mean, Xavier is 24th in Ken Palm right now. Their only loss is to Iowa State. Um, they they jump right into – I mean, they've got a tough stretch here coming up. Though. They play Moorhead State, and before they jump into Big East play, they get Marquette at home, and they go at Villanova, uh, then UConn at home, and they go at Georgetown at Butler. So, they'll we'll really see – I mean, they're 9-1 and one right now. Um, and but and been impressed with them so far, and they um, they're pretty. I mean, they're a big team, and Scruggs has been as Scruggs has been awesome. I, he's I, he's one of the only seniors. They've got they've got two seniors. I guess they're playing. Scruggs um, has been great, Venice, but Scruggs is awesome. Um, I think they're. I mean, they're definitely a tournament team. Uh, Cincinnati seven and three. They should win their next three games too. A couple easy they, they non-conference. And and they're in the AAC. They'll they'll get. They'll probably finish. They'll probably still. I mean, they're yeah. You said they're seven and three. They'll get finished eighteen wins maybe. Yeah. Um, but bubbling. And and yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's but it, it is. It's definitely Xavier owns Xavier owns that rivalry for now. Yeah. Is Xavier so then Travis Steele of course like, you know he's getting interviewed and he's like, um, you know this is one of the best rivalries in the country and I I like I think we need to trans I think we need to like 
categorize the rivalries differently. Like there's national rivalries where the whole country's tuning in, and then there yeah. are region specific. And I would say if we're doing regional rivalries, this is probably the number one in the country. And then another no one doubt like my mind. Pro- Providence, no doubt my mind. Providence URI, awesome one. Like Iowa, Iowa State, awesome one. Um, there's different ones like that where like Florida, Florida State, big deal. Does that does that matter to anyone else besides people that live in the state of Florida? Probably not. No. And it's heightened so much more because Xavier doesn't play football either. Yeah. And I, th- I personally, I think because yeah. you're just like, it's just Xavier Cincinnati basketball. They're so close. They both have great histories as programs. They're both like polar opposite. Pro- like you look like Huggins and then you look at like, obviously all the guy, I mean, you yeah, everything they've had a from- lot. Uh, you've got, I mean, a tree of coaches, some of the yeah. best, obviously. And, and, but it's, you always, you, I think of Cincinnati as well, ironically in 11, you could say, because I know you had your experience with some of these Xavier guys trying to fight the Ohio alumni team, Good but Lord. regardless, I always think as like Cincinnati, you think of like Kenyon Martin, you think of guys like Yancey Gates, they're like, they're going to be the bullies. They're going to come in. They're going to scrap. They're going to be the hard nosed, tough team, hugging all that. And then you think of Xavier as a little bit more, I mean, it's the private Catholic school yep. and not necessarily, I mean, you've got some guys that are obviously, I mean, zip them up and they'll on two Holloway and some guys like that, that will, will, will absolutely get down to business with it. But uh, it, it's, it's so, it's so polarizing between two schools and there's definitely more UC fans in Cincinnati oh. than Xavier. But it's a, there's still a strong, there's a strong contingent of yeah. like, of Xavier. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, all right, let's end on two things. One, I just wanted to say shout out to Ben Johnson. Uh, Minnesota's oh. still undefeated. Um, nah, are they? Yeah. I thought they took, did they? They took, right? no, they lost, no, they lost to Michigan State. They lost to Michigan ah, State. Ah, that's right. Shit. They lost Wednesday to Michigan State. Um, okay. But then they beat Michigan. Then they beat somebody. On the road. Yeah, that's Michigan why I thought they Michigan were still undefeated. Yeah, so shout out to Ben Johnson and Josh Adel. What's good? Um, I mean, that's it. That's all I have. I haven't seen much of Minnesota play. I just wanted to shout him out because he's he's definitely one of, if he's not leading the way, first year head coach is like crushing it. You know what oh, I mean? He's, he's got to be up there. He's got to be up there. And they're taking care of the ball. I mean, they're second or third in the country in turnover percentage, like offense. So they're taking care of the ball. Um, eighth in the country in three-point defense. They... I, I think it was Goodman tweeted this as well. It said uh, last year, um, Ben Johnson couldn't even get the NIU job. Then now here he is with a surprise hire at Minnesota that is are over exceeding expectations. And then now it's like, all right, you gotta you gotta you gotta refill the uh refill the tank, you gotta bring in some recruits, but they're playing like I don't say the cupboard is bare, but they they lost a I lot. Mean- it wasn't Losing great. Car, I mean, it's not like Clark stayed and he's still got like a big time play. Like they, no. he's he's doing a a lot better than I think people expect to. Now, not saying they played the toughest schedule imaginable, but they've got two top fifty wins over Mississippi State and Michigan, both true road games, like true road wins against top fifty teams. Um, now and then, and they beat Pittsburgh on the road too. Now Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh were were, were long trouble. past them being a respectable uh, win. A respectable, I don't say franchise, but program in, at this point. In um, but they are, uh, but I mean, you've got three true road wins of your first nine games against power five teams. Like big time. ACC, Big 12, and Big 10. Like, 
Big time. And your first season as a head coach, good for you. Yep. Um, all right, we'll wrap up because I know we covered one cousin last episode. So shout out to the Hoyas, baby. Big Let's win. Go. Okay, here's the here's the question though. Is this a bigger win for Georgetown or a bigger loss for Syracuse? My answer is is bigger win for Georgetown because to me, I think Syracuse still has a shot to the dude, Syracuse is five and five. So they got crazy. work to do, and they're in trouble because the ACC stinks. Because even if they rattle off 10 wins in the ACC, it's like, yeah, congrats. Like a bunch of those are quad threes. So I think Syracuse is actually in trouble to make the tournament. Georgetown really was never in contention to win. And I just think it's one of those like kind of season like boosting wins for a team that was picked. If not, no, DePaul was picked last, second to last. Um, I, I think it's great, man. I look, I think you know, it's huge for Georgetown. It huge. was, it, it, it's, it's huge for Georgetown because. I mean, they had a couple of tough losses. They started the season on the wrong foot, but then, I mean, now they go in. I mean, they've got TCU at home before they go into Big East play. I mean, it's a really, really good win, especially in a rivalry game like that. Well, yeah. rivalry, uh, that you're not playing anymore. You've got obviously all the history there. Really, uh, really good win for them. And I mean, they're still like, they've got like a lot of, I mean, they've got a couple of seniors, but they've got a lot of young guys. Like, yep. young guys, you're bringing them in. Like, you're gonna have those. You're gonna have those growing pains. So to get a win like this, seemed like an awesome environment. Um, oh, slam. I mean, it, as it always should be. Syracuse. The one thing, like you said, like I'm not worried about. Like honestly, as long as long as Syracuse gets into the tournament, I truly don't think that my thoughts. Like if you told me to call, if we clip this and we listen on Selection Day, Selection Sunday, I don't think my thoughts are going to change about their potential as a team going into the tournament because. They just have guys like with Gerard and and Buddy that can just light it up from absolutely anywhere. Yeah. I'm not that worried about them as a team, but you do bring up a good point is that they are they're five, five and five right now. Five. They've scheduled really hard. Now, to be fair, like they lost to Auburn, they lost to Villanova, they lost to v- eh, VCU, but like they and they have two good wins. They've they've they beat Indiana and they have a true road win at Florida State, um, which is a quad one. But I mean, they're gonna that they Col- play that Cornell. That Colgate at home loss is going to come. It was Colgate, right? Yeah, they lost yeah. to Colgate 185 at home. That game's going to that game's going to haunt them. That game's going to haunt yep. them. And and they've dropped. I mean, they got as high at that point they were 38th in Ken Palm. They're sitting at 68th right now. Yeah, um, I don't know what the net where they are in the net rankings that just came out, but I mean, their defense is just so bad, Paul. They're they have the 22nd best offense. If you look at all the defensive statistics, they're 241st in effective field goal percentage defense, 248th in turnover percentage, 306th in offensive rebound percentage, um, 226, 258, 312. Now, and also, like, they, they just – and then they their, their defense is playing – I mean, it, obviously, it's a, it's a glacier, absolute glacier pace. They're 357. So, they're the – on defense, it's the longest possessions of anyone in the country. But then if you look at – this is absolutely crazy. It makes sense because it is the it is the uh, it, it is the two three zone. Forty three and a half percent of their opponents' points come in from three, second yeah. in the country. So they're just they're not playing. And, and when you're you have the they kind of want two hundred twenty six best three point defense, and that's you're the just issue. Funneling everything, especially if teams get hot now. Yep, that's what's scary. You you got to be able to match that. Then and that's I mean that's that's how Colgate scores hundred points on you at home. <laughs> wild 
wild. What will be interesting, they play Tuesday is I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the so Jimmy Beheim, the oldest son that transferred, um, he went to Cornell for his first yeah. three years and then transferred to Syracuse. So now we'll then be playing against all of his buddies yep. uh, next Tuesday night. So it'll That'll be, be cool. uh It'll be really cool to see. And I think and it's at, yeah, it's at the Carrier Dome. They don't, they get four straight home games before they got to go at Miami and at Wake. Um, so I don't know, they get Lehigh, Cornell, Georgia Tech, and Virginia. Um, some get right spots for them, hopefully. So, hey, uh, guess what? To see. Guess what? Duke plays this week. It's been two weeks. <laughs> South Carolina we know, State. We tomorrow. know who runs that conference. We know, we know baby. Come on. That. And they yeah, South Carolina State, App State, Cleveland State, and then they get the, uh, the Hokies. And then the Hokies. All right. All uh, right. Duke, what we, we'll leave it on this. And this, I'm not trying to pump your uh, pump your team up even more. And this is obviously, we are still sitting here in December. What are the, was that you've got to be top 25 in both offensive and defensive efficiency? Duke's yeah, we're 11th, off, 11th in offense and 15th in defense. So we'll take it, baby. Looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. All right. Next time you hear from us, it'll be episode 95. Yeah. 94. 94. This was 94, right? This Shit, is 93. 93. All right, next this time you hear from us, it'll be episode 94. Until then, keep road to 100. Bouncing. Yeah, almost to 100. Deuces. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poking a cup. Pulls, plus Russell's up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.